0: has got a story of this is why. <laughs> this is why I'm here. I know for, my, for myself, um, right from a very young age, it was never about just going to church so that we could get something. It was always going to church because we had a part to play. And from a very young age, I'm so thankful for parents that got me involved, uh, serving, getting involved in, in children's ministry and music and, and all of those things are a massive part of who, who I've become today. And uh, why I found myself, I suppose, doing what I'm doing today is be- I learned so much from being in church. And uh, we've got an amazing uh, opportunity coming up, and I want to share about that on um, the 21st of March. It's going to be an awesome time of just uh, looking at vision and how we can reach and serve and influence our community here. But we're continuing our, our series this morning called Paradigm Shift. What is a paradigm shift? A paradigm shift is where we move from one place of understanding to another. You know, often we can be so fixed in our way of thinking, the way we're raised, the the, the what we know and what we understand. But sometimes we need a paradigm shift. Um, the thing I love about Jesus so much is that he was all about the paradigm shift. When Jesus arrived. When he, when he started to minister to people, when he started to speak, he was so different to what they expected. They understood this religious system that was, was, was in, in a particular order and Jesus just came and flipped the system. He said, no, 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 it's not about the rules and the regulations, it's about how we love and treat one another. So much more. We need that paradigm shift just like Jesus had. Our prayer over the series is that we would begin to see people the way Jesus would see them, but also that we would see ourselves how Jesus sees us. See, if we're really honest with ourselves, we probably don't see ourselves like Jesus sees us. We see a lesser version. We see a broken, a failure. If we're really honest with ourselves, we don't think we're that much. But actually, Jesus sees so much more in us and wants us to live in a life of freedom, you know, it's easy to look at people who are, who are actually doing well. Look at them, and you see the fame and the fortune, and we, we live in a culture where celebrating celebrity status is something that we do far more than we probably should, but we see the fame, the fortune, we see all the, the riches, the wealth, we see, see the success, supposedly. But behind many of these stories is actually pain and brokenness and addiction and, and, and even suicide. I remember when Robin Williams took his own life. The the actor, I, I was I was rocked when that happened. This guy that had caused me to laugh so many times watching his films, I I, I loved his stuff. I, I loved who he who he appeared to be, but deep inside his heart, there was something going on that that we didn't know about. And I really believe that God wants to to, to change our thinking, change the way we see people, which is the heart behind this Paradigm Shift series. And so this morning, we're going to look at three different people who had an encounter with Jesus, and then for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at Jesus' encounters. Some of, they are my favorite stories, the moments where somebody encountered Jesus, and every single time their life was changed as a result of meeting Jesus. But let me first pray as we get into it. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to gather, to open your word, to learn, to to grow, to develop in our relationship with you. Lord, for those who maybe are hearing about you for the first time. Lord, to those who have walked with you for decades. Lord, we can all learn. We can all grow. We can all get a greater understanding of who you are. So speak to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to begin in Luke chapter 19. If you've got a Bible, feel free to open it, or you can use our uh, Elam Christian Center app. You can find that in the App Store, and all the notes are there. You can record it digitally if you would like. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I love the story as a child growing up. I've got these pictures of the children's books with Zacchaeus climbing the tree and looking down and Jesus pointing at him and saying, I want to come to your place for lunch. And I can identify with Zacchaeus, the short man syndrome. You know, I joke with my brothers that they got all the height, I got all the hair, I'm not sure, I'm not sure whether I got the good deal or not, but um, I'm the guy that would be at the right hand of every photo, in the class photos, sitting on the right hand front row, or the left side, you know, the shortest people. But interestingly enough, we think of Zacchaeus as the short man, but that actually wasn't what he was known for. He was short in status, was stature, <laughs> but big on status. See, there were three things that people didn't really like about Zacchaeus. They didn't like the fact that he was wealthy. They didn't like the fact that he was a tax collector, despised for being a part of the Roman system and collecting taxes for their Gentile oppressors. But he was also not just a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector, meaning if he was considered the worst, he was the worst of the worst, or the best of the worst. I'm not sure which way. But Generally, the Jewish people did not like tax collectors because many tax collectors, not only would they take what the Romans demanded, they would also then line their pockets with whatever they wanted for themselves. And so Zacchaeus fell into this category. Now, the people would have looked at Zacchaeus and not liked him. They would have made judgments about him, but Jesus sees it differently. So Jesus, he's walking on his way out of Jericho. Bible says he was kind of heading out. But as he walked, he ignored all the other people, it would appear, and he saw Zacchaeus. He said, hey, Zacchaeus, let's have lunch together. Let's eat together. Now, that would have got people fuming. Really? That guy? Of all the people that you could have chosen, you're choosing him? What did Jesus see that we must learn to see? I want to talk about three paradigm shifts. Today. Number one, we see a sinner, but Jesus sees their salvation. We see a sinner, but Jesus sees their salvation. If I knew who Zacchaeus was, if I knew his reputation, if I saw Jesus give him special treatment, would I have judged Jesus' motives? Absolutely. I would have said, Jesus, you got it wrong. You're picking the wrong person. You should show mercy and forgiveness to somebody else other than Zacchaeus. The people quickly made their assessment, and I love this, verse uh, 7, all the people saw this, all the people probably also includes all the disciples, who probably were muttering as well, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. I like the fact that Jesus never really cared about people's opinions. Anyone else like that about Jesus? Do you think we could all probably learn a little bit from Jesus? not to be so focused on other people's opinions? Because there's a lot of opinions out there, right? Anyone struggling to work out all the opinions that everybody's kind of putting out there about life and stuff and nothing? Now, I'm not suggesting we become rude and obnoxious, but I do suggest that we begin to live a life of truth and respond accordingly and actually be okay with who we are. How God's wired us, how we're made to be, don't have to be somebody else. I know I am who, I, who God says I am. When we can come to that conclusion, life becomes so much better. I was just speaking in Growth Track earlier in the, in the nine o'clock service, talking about the sweet spot. When we find ourselves in the sweet spot, and in cricketing terms, it's that, it's that spot on the bat where, with minimal effort, if the ball hits that part of the bat, it flies off so perfectly, so sweetly. If we can find ourselves 80% of our lives in our sweet spot, ministering as God's called us to minister, that's a beautiful place to be. And then other people's opinions actually don't matter too much because we're living according to the way God's wired us. The people began to mutter, he's going to be with a sinner. See, we would see a sinner looking for another dollar. I wonder whether they thought, oh, he's going to try and and get Jesus for some money. (laughs) But actually... Jesus saw a desperate man looking for a savior. Zacchaeus in his encounter with Jesus, there was a moment, and we don't have the rest of the conversation. Sometimes I wish we could have the rest of the conversation in these stories. What actually went on? What did Jesus say to Zacchaeus? At what point in the meal did, did Zacchaeus kind of get up and say, hey, I've just had this understanding. I've just had this paradigm shift. something has shifted in me, I've, I've, I finally get it he stands up and he says, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. And then I'm going to give four times the amount to anybody who I've ripped off. Why four times? Because he's a good Jewish boy. He knows the law. The law states that if you steal from someone and you're convicted of it, you found out, you have to pay back four times the amount. And so Zacchaeus stands up and says, I'm going to change This wasn't just regret or remorse. This was action and intention. See, when we encounter Jesus as our Savior, things change. Our understanding, our paradigm shifts. Maybe you're here today, and you're saying, there's sin in my life. I I don't feel like I, I should even be able to walk in through this place. The amount of times I talk with somebody and invite them to church, and they say, oh, if I go into church, the roof will fall down. You know, because I'm a sinner, I'm a bad person. I'm like, well, it would have fallen out a long time ago because I'm there every week. Because I'm a part of the sinner's club, right? But saved by grace. You know, my sin, which which is destroying every part of this world, when we give that to God, when we surrender our lives, that sin is not counted against us anymore. We now live in freedom because of Jesus. So, second thing this morning, Luke chapter 17, second encounter. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. These men were despised. They were outcasts in society. They, they, they knew what their fate would be, a lonely, painful, inevitable death. That was the life of a leper. And there was something in them in the way they responded. There was a, they understood that they were outcasts. They understood they couldn't be in the crowd because it says they called out from afar. They called out from a distance. They they weren't trying to rock the boat, right? They weren't trying to get in there and and, and mess up everybody else's day. They, They called from afar, Jesus, like blind Bartimaeus, have mercy on me. Have pity on us. We need a paradigm shift because we see someone to be avoided. But Jesus sees someone to be healed. Maybe you look at your own life and you think I'm unclean, I'm unworthy of Jesus' love and affection. Again, welcome to the club. We're all unworthy of his love and yet he still chooses to pour himself out. He still chooses to wade into our mess and our hell. and says, I'm here to bring salvation and to bring healing. I love this Romans 5 verse 8, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. That while Mike, and this is a paraphrased version, was still a sinner, Christ died for me. That's the love of God. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Christ died for you. But Jesus doesn't shy away from our sickness. Our disease, he walks in, he embraces us and says, I'm here for you. Come and follow me. I love the fact that it was pointed out that he was a Samaritan, but that was Jesus' way, wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't that the way Jesus operated? Hey guys, with let's go to Samaria. Let's let's go meet a, a woman at a well who's got a bit of a troubled past. And the disciples are like, Jesus, do you know what you're doing? It's like he knows exactly what he's doing. See, he's not concerned about our past as as much as we are. We'll see this in our third person today. In this series, I'm praying that God would help us to see people how Jesus sees them. That we wouldn't prejudge someone or write someone off based on the way they look or even the lifestyle that they live. But we would live as people who would love and serve and lay down our lives for those around us. How many people enjoyed Friday? That was a bit of adventure, wasn't it? I know there's a few people saying, oh, I was kind of hoping there'd be some waves coming in. At least for all the trouble, right? <laughs> but I've heard numerous conversations with, with, with people within our church who just thought, wow, here's an opportunity. Let's let's do something. Those that were were, were at elevated places and their houses were at a good place, and I I know the town just kind of comes up to you. It's like, well, there you go. There's a whole ministry right there. So people making muffins and sandwiches and fruit and water and just walking the street. Hey, can I help you? Can I serve you? What can I do? Hey, you can use our bathroom. Come and help yourself. What a wonderful opportunity. Who's welcome? Everyone's welcome. You know, I think that's the way Jesus lived his life. He just saw an opportunity and he went and met the need. And I really believe if we would choose to live our lives that way, Jesus will open up opportunities. Holy Spirit will speak to us. Hey, go and have a conversation. Step out and get a little bit courageous and step into that. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Those are the coolest, scariest moments, right? Where well, you kind of know in your heart you're supposed to say something. You're supposed to, to go and do something or go and give something. And then when you do it, you go, oh, that was awesome. That's what I was born to do. Born to go beyond my comfort zone into that place where we need Holy Spirit, our comforter, right? That's a great place to be living. So the third encounter we're going to look at this morning is in the book of John. John 8, 1 to 11. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered. And as he sat down and taught them, as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Notice just the woman, not the man. Hmm. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to, the, to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? What a set They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Notice the crowd stuck around. Hey, what's going to happen next? That inquiring crowd. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. There's something about her word, no, Lord. In that moment, I believe that was a transformational moment for her. Because to call someone Lord means they're the other one that's now in charge. It was like a a handing over of responsibility. No, Lord. Here we see again another example of self-righteous humanity. And here I am prejudging those people. That is just me, myself. Anyone ever carried stones? Anyone ever thrown a few proverbial stones? And our season we're in right now... COVID and what should have been done and what shouldn't have been done. And anyone got to throw in a stone or two? We're gonna... I believe God's asking some of us to drop the stones. Let's leave judgment up to Him. Let's let Jesus, judge and rule, be the one that casts judgment, not us. Our job is to serve, to love, to forgive. Let that be what marks us. Let that be what people know about us as people. Wow, they really love people. They really like to help people. That's who I want to be. I don't want fame and glory. I I, I just want to be faithful with what I've got to serve and love other people. Many people speculate what Jesus wrote in the dust, and, and I, think, I think we can miss the story and the impact of the story if we try and work out what it was. Enough to say whatever he wrote, a bunch of people backed away. <laughs> we backed away, and all of a sudden, the woman is standing there exposed humiliated, broken, devastated. I don't know what's going through your mind at that. My life will never be the same again and not for a good way. If people didn't know by now, they all know now. The life that she had ahead of her would have been horrific. And yet, Jesus, when the crowd's still there and all the accusers are gone, He doesn't start with, hey, let's talk about your sin. He doesn't even address it initially. He asks a question, hey, where are your accusers? Where are all the people that were going to throw stones and condemn you for your sin? She says, there's there's no one. He says, and neither do I condemn you. And then he says something, and I, I love in the gospel of Mark, Jesus is speaking to the rich young ruler. And somehow, Mark reads the body language of Jesus, and, and, and as he's about to deliver the bad news, saying, You've got to sell everything, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And that's where your reward and your riches will be. Before he gives that message, the Bible records Jesus looked at him and loved him. There was something about Jesus' look of love that Mark captured. I reckon that would have been another one of those moments. I'm pretty confident that you could have put in there, well, neither do I condemn you. And Jesus looked at her and loved her. Now go and sin no more. Oh, I just, I just, I just love that. That is Jesus' desire for you and for me, that we would be found in our sin, recognize our sin, surrender our sin to God, repent, which means to turn and separate ourselves from that old life, like, like separate, not, not, not keep our toes in the water, not go, hey, I'm, I'm all good now, to find ourselves falling back there again. But no, 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 we, we draw a line and we step away from that line and we step away from that line. And now we walk, now we walk with Jesus. Would she have sinned again? Yeah. Will I sin again? Yes. But I'm not living back in that place of sin. I'm living in a daily when I wake up. God, search my heart. Is there anything in me that is, that is unrighteous? Is there anything that I've done? Any attitude I've had, any unforgiveness I'm holding in my heart. God, I want to live free. I reckon that's what he said. Go and sin no more. I wonder if she followed him along the road. We don't know the rest of his story, but I, I always like to imagine what would have been. Was she, was she there in the, in the upper room in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit came and fell on all of those believers that were meeting together? I reckon her life changed forever because of a moment with Jesus. We need to have a paradigm shift in our own lives, but a paradigm shift in the way we see others. Today I want to give an invitation for anybody. That needs the greatest paradigm shift of all. That's to recognize that you no longer need to do life on your own. But there is a Savior and His name is Jesus. He wants to take that sin that has caused all the mess in your life, all that selfishness, all of the things that we've done, that's brought pain and hurt and unforgiveness in our lives. God wants to take all of that took it on the cross. That's what Jesus did. He died on the cross. And all that sin was buried in the tomb, not to be dug up again, but to stay buried. And then we identify by being raised to life with Christ again. I want to give that invitation to anybody here today who's never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Would you mind just bowing your head as a sign of just, just focusing on Jesus right now? As Jaden said earlier, think about the cross. What does the cross mean to you? Today, Jesus is offering the cross for your salvation. Would you pray this prayer with me? To surrender your life to Jesus, to repent, and to follow God, to make Him Lord of your life. As many in this place have done, would you do that today by praying this prayer? Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father. thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus, you you sent Jesus. To, die to die on the cross for my sin. I repent. I turn from my old way of living, and I ask you to forgive me. I choose to follow you and to live my life for you. Be Lord of my life today. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you pray that prayer for the first time, maybe coming back to God today. Would you do one last thing? One brave thing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. On the count of three, would you slip your hand up and say, yes, I prayed that prayer. Maybe for the first time. Maybe returning to God. You've been away from Him and today you're getting right with Him. One, God loves you. Two, your sins have been forgiven. Three, why don't you raise your hand right now across this place. Anyone this morning? Thank you, Jesus, that we can come to you with our sin, with our burden. We can lay it at your feet. Thank you, Jesus, you went to the cross for our sin so that we could have forgiveness and eternal life. We honor you today. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz